0: In the name of Jesus, amen. Dear saints, today, while we're all in the same position, all isolated in our homes, unable to gather together, we consider the gospel lesson for today, where we see quite the opposite. We see 5,000 people away from their homes, all gathered together around the Lord. Now, our situations are quite different in that regard. But behind it all, we have a lot in common with those people, a lot in common with the disciples on that day. So I'll get straight into the text. Jesus went away to the other side of the Sea of Galilee, and his intention was to get some rest. And he didn't get any because right behind him was a massive crowd following him. And we know that the people, at least most of them, aren't following him because of the word that he was preaching. They are there because he healed the sick and he did miracles. And so they followed him out of curiosity and excitement. They wanted to see these miracles. So they wanted to see what Jesus could do. So Jesus went up to the mountain and he sat down with his disciples. And then he looks up and you see this image, this crowd of 5,000 people at least coming toward him. And then Jesus looks up right at Philip and said this, Where are we to buy bread, Philip, so that these people may eat? And this was a test for Philip. It said explicitly. That's what the text says. Jesus said this to test him. And so what is Jesus testing him for? Well, the test is this. Would Philip in this moment look to the Lord in joy and expectation, knowing that the Lord will provide? Or will he look elsewhere? Would Philip remember that Jesus is the Lord? Would he remember? that Jesus is God, the one who opens his hand and satisfies the desire of every living thing? Or would Philip dwell upon his poor, miserable condition? Would he look down into his pockets and see the lack of money and resources and his own ideas? In other words, in this time of need, would Philip look to Jesus or would he look to himself? Well, he failed the test. And Andrew did too. And so did all the other disciples. No one came forward with the right answer. No one came forward and said, look, you, Lord, you are where we will get the bread. You are the one who gave us wine at Cana. And when when we ran out, you were the one who created the heavens and the earth and you love us. So no, we have no fear. You will provide. But they didn't say that. Rather, they became anxious. Look at at what Philip did when he became nervous and worried. He started to count his money. He counted 200 denarii. That's about $46.11 in today's currency, according to Google. He started to carefully calculate what he had and see how far it could take him. Now, Andrew failed the test too. But he failed in another way. He saw a young boy with five loaves of bread and two fish. And then he adds, yeah, but what is that among so many? I mean, you can just hear the self-pity and disappointment in his voice. They're just dwelling on their condition, groaning, complaining, discouraged, disappointed, and turning into themselves. And now I think you know already, you've heard enough sermons that you know exactly where I'm going to go with this now, don't you? First, this shows you that these disciples are not spiritually superior and they don't have an unfailing faith. They're just average people who get worried and anxious too. And secondly, and this is the main point, this is where you know I'm going with it. This shows you how often you and I failed the same exact test, doesn't it? I mean, every time, every time I hear this text it comes up twice a year, the feeding of the 5,000 and then the feeding of the 4,000 every time I hear this text I get so frustrated at the disciples I want to shake them and say, look what's wrong with you guys, that's Jesus you're talking to, you literally saw him turn water into wine you saw him heal the centurion's son from far, you saw him heal a man with leprosy so far you saw him calm a storm with his voice and raise a little girl back from the dead and he asks you a question about where you're going to get some bread, and you blew it. You failed the test, and you instead got anxious, and you got nervous, and you totally forgot who Jesus was in that moment, didn't you? You you, you forgot Jesus brought you out in the middle of nowhere, and then you thought he was going to let you down. You thought for a moment that God would not provide for you. That's what I want to say (laughs) every time. That's what goes through my mind. And as soon as all those thoughts rush through my mind, I bite my tongue. And I realize that I've done the same exact thing. It's not like Jesus is any different now than he was back then. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. And yet, even though I have the same Lord that they had, I'm praying to the same Jesus, I've failed that test A thousand times, and for much less, and it's shameful. I scoff because these disciples became anxious and didn't know how Jesus was going to feed 5,000 people with bread. All the while, I worry and get anxious because I don't know how the same Lord is going to feed me, just me, my stomach, one stomach, that's all that shows me how weak my own faith is, how little my trust is in the Lord, how fragile my poor heart is every time I get worried, worried and anxious about anything. You see, whenever emergencies hit, we tend to forget God. We forget that God is God, and instead, we start counting our money. And we start to carefully calculate what we have, how far it will take us. All the meanwhile, we are growing disappointed and more anxious and more discouraged and more hopeless. Here we are in a global pandemic. In the midst of a crisis that by all our careful reading and calculations and estimations is going to be completely demolishing our economy. It's going to dry up our savings, take away our luxuries, cause us to move somewhere else. It's going to change the way we live while we lose our jobs, while we get furloughed, while we get sick and feeble and worry ourselves to death. We are dwelling only on ourselves and we are forgetting that Jesus is The Lord. We forget that God has His own ways of providing for us and that he will do so until the day he calls us home. We fail to put our trust in God and we put it in a bunch of men and we grow weary and panicky and concerned when it comes to the needs of the body. We worry. We go through all of the cupboards, all of the closets, all of the accounts, all of the possessions, and we start counting to find out how long the Lord is going to care for us, how much more life we have to live. And we forget that Jesus is in control, that he knows what he is doing doing and that he knows why he brought us here in this moment to this moment and that he actually loves us and cares for us oh repent repent of this worry and anxiety and repent of all your counting and all your predictions repent of thinking that god has no idea what he is doing, that he's not in control, that you could do it better and repent of thinking that he has forgotten about you, that he doesn't care for you, that he won't provide for you. That's foolishness. The Lord knows your situation and he hasn't left you in it. He knows. He knows that you're lonely. He knows that you're in debt, that your family is hanging on by a string, that your children have abandoned you. That your boss is inconsiderate. That you're losing your job. He knows you have student loans. That you don't have health insurance. You have no savings. You have no place to live. And that the virus is quickly spreading around the world and driving everyone to a panic. He knows. He knows you keep falling back into sin over and over and over again. He knows that you're frustrated And that you don't know what to do about it. He knows there are only 200 denarii. He knows that there are only 5 loaves of bread. He knows and he sees the 5,000 people. He knows how to count. He knows what's going on. He is not ignorant or naive. But we are. in all of these things... We are the ones who don't know what's going on. We think we do, but we don't. Remember what the text says. The text says he knew what he would do. The disciples didn't, but he did. And right now in this crazy situation that we're in, we don't know what's going to happen tomorrow. Your guess is as good as mine. We don't know a thing, and yet the Lord still knows what he's going to do. Do you think Do you think that this is a surprise to him? That it caught him off guard? That he had no idea he didn't see it coming? That he's scrambling to get a plan together? The Lord has known. He has known what he was going to do even before he sent this among us. Even before he formed the earth or spoke light into existence. He knows he is using this for our good. He knows how he is using this to test us and how he will provide. He didn't bring you here with no plan. You're not in this situation that the Lord doesn't know how to get you out of it. And that's the test. Will you remember that Jesus is the Lord now? When you have no idea what's going on, are you looking to the Lord in joy and expectation, knowing that he will provide and trusting and relying upon him? Will you remember that he knows what he is doing, that he always does and always has? Will you trust in him? Now, Philip, Andrew, and all the disciples failed the test. They all failed it miserably. But in the end, it didn't matter. And why is that? It's because Jesus came to seek and to save sinners. He came to have mercy on the world. He came to be gracious and kind to those who don't deserve it. Notice what Jesus didn't do that day. He didn't give a test and then say, uh, for example, like this. He didn't say, look, who here among us, who here believes that I can provide some bread to these people? Who, who here trusts that I can actually do it? Raise your hand. Okay, well, you guys over there, there in the back, the four of you, you guys get bread and the rest of you don't. It, it's not what happened. Rather, he gave bread to everyone regardless of their faith. They were all hungry, and he filled them all with food. So much that there were 12 baskets full of bread at the end. Now, just a side comment here. I don't think that number is a coincidence. Think of it like a souvenir for each disciple to take home from that miracle, to remember the test that they failed, and to remember that the Lord provides And the same goes for you. God doesn't ask you, Do you trust that I will provide? You do? Okay, then I'm gonna provide. He doesn't make your faith a condition for His provision. He doesn't even make the condition and quality of your faith, the weakness or the strength of it, the basis of what He will do for you. And that is the great comfort and joy of this. Those people didn't get bread because they believed and passed the test. They got bread because Jesus is the Lord and he loves them. And you will get your daily bread in the same way. Not because you don't fail or because you have great faith. You will get your daily bread because Jesus is the Lord and he loves you. He'll provide whether you believe it or not. He will take care of you whether you trust in him or not. He will never leave you nor forsake you no matter what your feelings tell you or what your experience says or not. And, and, and he will never take back his word in this way. He will provide you your daily bread until the day he calls you home no matter how many times you fail to trust in that. So how can this be? How can it be that Jesus gives these disciples a test and they miserably fail it and then we see no consequence? He didn't grade them. He didn't chastise them. He didn't rebuke them. And how can it be that our faith in God fails so often, daily, and we doubt him so much, and yet we see absolutely no consequence from the Lord for it? He doesn't strike us dead in the moment. He doesn't come down and chastise us or rebuke us for this. Don't you think, don't you think that God would be angry at this? Don't you, don't you think that this is sinful? Isn't it wrong to not trust the Lord? Of course, it's a sin. It's a a grave sin against the first commandment. You shall fear, love, and trust in God above all things. That's what it means. Of course it's wrong. It's shameful and a sin to not trust that the Lord will provide. So, So what's going on? What of the consequence then? Well, the reason we see no consequence is because Jesus bore the consequence himself in our stead. It's because Jesus came into this world to absorb our every sin, every failed moment of testing, every second of sinful anxiety, worry, doubt, discouragement, discontentment. He came to absorb this all into himself and face the consequence for all of our faithlessness and doubt on the cross. And he did it alone, innocently. He trusted in God even when God forsook him. He came to satisfy God's anger against your sin, against my sin, against the world's sin, by enduring it for you. And just as he tells you that you have no need to worry for your daily bread... Dear Saints, you have no need to worry about how you will get through this. And he tells you even now that you also have no need to worry for how you will get into heaven. You have no need to worry about how you will die. How your life will end, what will happen when you breathe your last. You have no need to worry about a thing because the Lord will provide. He will provide for you every day of this life and He will provide for you at the moment of your death. When He went to the cross, He opened up the veins in His body and provided everything you needed. He will provide all the forgiveness, all the righteousness, all the innocence all the good works that you need to get into heaven. Look to him and remember that he is the Lord who loves you. And be at peace. Don't be afraid. The Lord wants you to trust in him, not to get a good mark before him as if that's something that you need. He wants you to trust in him because he doesn't want you to worry Because he wants to take away the anxiety that is plaguing you. He wants you to rest in his promises because everything he says is true. And it's true whether you believe it or not. And that means it is not true. It means it is not true that the Lord helps those who help themselves. That is not a verse in the Bible. No, God helps those who cannot help themselves he helps those who are in need he helps those who don't have enough he helps those who are anxious and worried and don't understand how the lord will bring them through this he is there to help them he's helped there to help all of us and he doesn't help those who are simply good he helps you even when you forget that he is good and even when you believe that he is not good he is still good the bread you will eat this afternoon comes from the same place it has come every single day of your life before this moment. It comes from Jesus in love. Not from money, not from the store, not from work, not from your neighbor. It comes from Jesus who in that moment is opening his hand and satisfying the desire of every living thing. He is putting bread in your stomach. So just sit down and tell your family, and your loved ones, and teach children to sit down also, because the Lord will provide. He knows better than you what you need, and He will give it to you when He has planned for you to have it. He loves you. He died for you. He rose for you. He's coming back. And every day until then, He will give you your daily bread. So don't worry or be afraid. We don't know what tomorrow holds, but the Lord does. So sit down and be anxious about nothing and trust and confide in the fact that the Lord will provide. Amen.